let's look at the 23rd Psalm. The psalmist wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much today for your son and his willingness to come and die on that cross. Father, we thank you so much that you have had people that, Father, followed you, and, and Father, you led them to write down the instructions for everyday life. And Father, that we can be able to pick up your book and read something every day that will help us, encourage us, and strengthen us. And Father, we just ask today, Lord, if there's someone here that does not know you as a personal Savior, has not met you on a one-on-one basis, that this would be the day and the hour, Lord, that they would come to know you. And Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody's got them a piece of paper now, right? I want you to look at the paper and think about what you see. And while you're staring at that paper and looking at it and thinking about it, I want you to listen to the story. Seems there was a professor at a college, and it was time to give the finals out, and the professor passed out the papers. This was a very well-liked, very well-known, very good professor in the college. And he passed out every one of the students a packet. And when he got every one of them passed out, he told the students, now turn your packet over and start. This was to start the test. And as each one of the students turned it over, they, they looked in amazement. It wasn't a bunch of essay questions for them to answer. It wasn't a multiple choice questions. It wasn't true and false. It wasn't yes or no. It was just a simple, plain, white piece of paper with a dot right in the middle. And all the students turned their papers over and they saw this and they looked up and the professor said, I want you to write about what you see on that paper. Well, the students sat there for a little bit and some of them started and some of them hesitated and some of them kept looking. Well, finally after an hour, the professor said, the exam's over, turn your papers in. And they did. That night, the professor goes home to grade the papers, and he saw a trend very quickly growing with these, paper, with these papers. As he started grading them, he started realizing that every person in the class focused in on the dot. 
There were stories that were written from childhood when a friend betrayed them and hurt their feelings. There were stories written about first loves. You know the kind when you're 15, when he says, or you look over at her and she looks at you and, well, we've held hands and we've almost kissed twice, so we're going to be together forever. And then they weren't. And how their hearts were broken. Some of the students wrote about a relationship with a parent that wasn't what they thought it should have been. Some of them were about abusive relationships. Some of them were about a time in their life when they lost somebody very close to them, very dear to them, due to a disease, due to something that was out of their control, and they had no part of it, but they lost that person. Some of the people in there, they had even in college, they had wrote about jobs that had been lost, either due to cutbacks or financial situations or something, and, and they was no longer employed. Some of them even wrote about that black dot represented promotions that they didn't get, that somebody less qualified of them got. Some of those people in that class were very honest. And they wrote about an addiction that controlled their life. And not only their life, but their family's life. And some of the students wrote about falling off their bicycles, skinning their knee. I'll never forget one morning we were sitting in the house and we lived out in the country and Yes, I, you know, we're, we're from Alabama, and well, so my oldest brother's out, and he's riding my youngest brother around on the bicycle. My youngest brother is sitting on the handlebars with his feet propped up on those two little knots that stick out of the tire on each side. And I don't know what happened. They either hit a stick and it bumped, or my little brother thought he could Superman and was going to fly or outrun the bicycle. I don't know. But we heard a scream like I've never heard before. And we jumped up and we run outside. And my oldest brother's got my little brother up. And he's running him up to the house. And his foot is just bleeding. His last two toes had went into the spoke on the tire that was still turning. Some people wrote about things like that that they saw and happened to them. And that black dot represented that. Some students wrote about how that black dot represented the time they were struggling to make through their college classes. The black dot represented so many different things to so many people. And as the professor read those, he thought to himself, that wasn't an object of the lesson. That wasn't the, the purpose that I had for it. You see, that black dot represents a lot of things to a lot of people. We've got people here this morning that are hurting. 
We've got people here today that have lost a loved one and they don't understand why. We've got people here today that have lost jobs and they don't seem fair. They don't seem right. We've got people here today that possibly a partner, a life partner, or their, or their closest friend that they, they said, till death do us part, but yet they've separated and are not together now. And that black dot represents maybe some young people that are in school that are having troubles and, and decisions that they have to make. One of the people that wrote into the professor talked about that black dot represented a night when her perfume smelled too strong and his cologne was too inviting and there was a mistake that happened that caused their life to change. And the professor just kept reading these and reading them and he kept thinking, they're missing the point. If you've got your Bibles open, I want you to look at the third verse. We're going to cover more of Psalms 23, but the third verse. You see, the psalmist starts out and says, The Lord is. Now, we could stay there on that until the end of the year, talking about the Lord is. The Lord's not going to be. The Lord not should have, would have been, or could have, have been, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me by still waters. This week I had, I mean, just sitting around the house and looking at things and I got to, I keyed in on the valley of the shadow of death. Now, if you Google that, it's going to show you a thousand pictures all over the world of different valleys and all this. So, but the one that the psalmist here is talking about is a place that they knew, the shepherds knew it, and the people that he was writing the psalm that they would understand is a place that they called Whitey Kelt. And that was a ravine at the foot of a mountain that ran around that was sometimes a, a creek. Most time it was a drag bed. But it was a place close and there was rocks could fall in, your enemies could hide, they could stand back. And, and see you coming without you seeing them. And they would just stand, you know, they would take the sheep through this. And they would guard those sheep because predators would hide in there and ready to pounce out on the sheep as it went through. And so the shepherds would go through with their rod, and if they, they come out after them, guess what? They would beat that predator with that rod till it was dead. 
There are stories about shepherds that protected their flocks from bears, from mountain lions, from any other animal. You know, I'm just amazed at what the shepherd could do with that rod. But the psalmist said, Thy rod and thy staff protect me. Now the staff was a longer pole with a hook on the end of it. Does anybody know what that hook was used for? That hook was used for when one of the sheep fell off into a, a, a hole or a, a ravine or something and couldn't get back out, the shepherd would go over and he would take the staff, he would turn it around and put the hook down, reach underneath the sheep and pull the sheep back out and set the sheep back up with the rest and they would go on. You see, a lot of us today, and a lot of the people that wrote to the professor about that dot, we're like that sheep. We may fall off somewhere one day and can't get back up on our own. We may be at the very bottom of what we think. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody is there anymore, and nobody's coming after me. We may be at the very bottom of everything that there was. But the psalmist said, Thy rod protects me and thy staff brings me back up. You see, as the professor was reading over those papers that day and he was looking at them and he was trying to figure out why was it that everybody focused in on the black spot? Why did they focus in on that? Just like us as Christians. If we know there is a black spot in someone's life, what do we focus in on? I can remember going back into my childhood and I can remember one day, just for fun, they brought out the church minutes from a hundred years ago. Now, by now, it's almost 150 years ago. And they start, we started reading those church minutes. And it was stuff like, Brother so-and-so was asked to leave today because there was liquor smell coming from him. And so the church told him he had to go. My favorite one was sister so-and-so came in and yesterday she crossed the creek and she raised her petticoat up over her knees and you could see her legs. So they asked her to leave the church. A few weeks later, there was, or the next business meeting they had, the notes was sister so-and-so came back and made apologies and promised to never cross the creek with her skirt above her knees. See, we as Christians, we'll focus in on the very dark spot and the very thing that we need to be helping with. We'll focus in on it and try to get rid of it. Now, when I come in the door this morning, I was like, hey, you know a lot about chickens? I do. 
I mean, I can, I can take you from the time that little feller is in the egg all the way to the, the dinner table. And I like the part on the dinner table a whole lot better than I do the other part. And really and truly, if you could just have me and that chicken in the chicken houses, life would be great. They don't argue. You give them good air, good lights, good water, and feed them. They'll love you forever. But see, there is one secret about chickens. If there's something different about one bird in that house, the rest of them will gang up on it until they kill it. It can be one feather that's different. It can be a wound that's on it. It can be anything like that. And they will attack that till it is gone. And we as Christians, a lot of times, that's what we do. Is we'll have somebody come in and we'll see a spot in their life. And we'll say, well, they can't love the Lord. I know what they used to do. They can't love God. You know what I seen them doing two years ago? Or... You know, yeah, he can come in the church all right, but now he's going to have to cut that hair and shave off that beard. And he's going to have to get rid of all that. She can't come in that church. You know how many homes she's wrecked? Well, she didn't wreck them by herself, I promise you. We have people that they come in and and they look and they're like, you know, that person's in a program. They're in a 12-step thing to try to get rid of something. And we talk about them instead of praying with them. So the next day, the professor goes back in and he takes all papers and he passes them all back out. And he graded them accordingly on how they were written. Some very eloquently, some very sadly. Some had tear stains on them where the students had cried as they wrote down what that black dot meant. Well, when the professor passed it back out again, he passed out another one along with it. And the students were confused and they thought, oh, we've got to take the test over again. And then they flipped over and they saw their grade on the one they did the day before. And most all of them passed. And the professor said, I noticed on your papers yesterday, you all focused in on the black. He said, all of you focused in on a part of your life that was not right, that was wrong, that was hurtful, that was you were denied something, you lost something. Some of you have diseases I didn't know you had. You wrote about that. And you, you've got addictions I didn't know you had. And, I, and, and all these other things that were written down on that paper. And he said, but the story that I wanted you to get out of this was Not the black dot, but the vast whiteness that surrounds the dot. You see, it's like God's love that was demonstrated here by the psalmist. 
when he said in the third chapter, now everybody gets our third verse. Everybody gets, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that's great. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, that means he, he has taken you and he has got that memory foam that gels, that cools, and it's just as nice in this you can lay down in it. And, and it's got that thing, that button you can push, and you can raise her head up so she quits snoring. But the professor said, what about all that whiteness? The psalmist David said, you know, in verse 3, that he restores my soul. So what the psalmist is telling us here is it doesn't matter about that black dot. God's not worried about that dot. Why is He not worried about that dot? Because His love and grace covers all the way around that black dot. His forgiveness is overflowing. The white paper, do you know there's anything strange about it or odd? It's without borders. So that means that you can go further and further and further and further away from that black dot because God has not put any limits on His love, His mercy, and His grace. God said, I don't care about the dot. Why didn't He care about the dot? Because His Son was coming to prepare the way forevermore that we could go. The black dot represents so many things to so many people. There are people here this morning that right now you're thinking about a black spot in your life or someone else's life. But I'm here to tell you that God says, I don't care. I love you enough that my son died for you that you don't have to worry about that dot. He'll take the place of it. You know, as we look around the room today and and we see family and friends and and we think about others, and I, I will not ever gain gainfully use this pulpit or any other one for my political views and beliefs. I will not do it. That's not what this is for. This is to tell you that God loves you and God cares about you. But I will tell you this. If we as God's children, as God's people, were as passionate as some of those people marching this week and last week, if we were that passionate about going out and telling them it doesn't matter about that spot in the middle, God's love covers it all and surrounds you every day, we wouldn't have to have a march. Every church in this state would be overflowing every service with people wanting to come in and say, God has taken my spot away. God did not intend for us to stay lost. That shepherd, when he was leading out that flock, he may have taken a hundred sheep out, 
But when he got to the other end, he was going to turn in a hundred sheep. He didn't look at it like we do today. Oh, well, I lost one. Let's go. What God does with us is the same as He did with His firstborn. He said, I love you no matter what, and you're not getting less of my attention because there's more of you now. You're getting the whole thing. See, that's the reason the page had no borders on it. So he could reach further and further and further out. Katie and I have been married for 32 years. If, if she lets me live till next month, it'll be 33. And the jury's still out on that if. So, you know, I, I sleep pretty sound. So, if, if y'all hear of something, call somebody. Because I didn't do it on my own. But there have been some very, very black dots in our lives in the 33 years. We've lost family members that were hurt. We lost family members that broke our hearts. We have relatives that have an addiction and they, are, they mean well, they mean good things and they try their best and they would be the very best person to you. But they have something that they just can't break on their own. I happen to have a cousin that is a homosexual. And I could call him right now and say, hey, I'm broke, I don't have anything, and he would have me the money and he would be here tomorrow. And a lot of people look at that as the black dot, and it is. But I'm telling you, he's got a heart of gold that if he could just get with Christ, his borders would be unlimited as to what he could share it with and who he could give it to. I used to work with Celebrate Recovery when I was in Alabama and we had had it at our church on Sunday night and I have knelt down beside men and listened to them talk about their families that they tore apart because they couldn't break a chain. And I have listened to men cry out to God to just take it all away. And the saddest thing is, they come back the next week, and, hey, how'd you go this week? Well, I, I called my brother, and he told me that I was still a drunk. Or I called my, my sister, and she told me I was still a drug addict. Or I, I, I've, I've heard the women testify. You know, I, I called my mom, and she said, I don't care, you still had a baby, and you wasn't married. You know what the family looks like because of that? Hopefully the family looks like this. Hopefully the family looks and they see God's grace just rubbing all over. They see God's mercy just overflowing. The psalmist David said, My cup runneth over. In verse 3 he says, He restores my soul. We all key in on the Lord is my shepherd. The valley of a shadow of death, the rod and the staff. Well, let me tell you something this morning. That is all great, 
But the key verse in my life is that on a Thursday night, I walked down an aisle and I found Jesus and He restored my soul to where it was at the very beginning. There have been times since then I have had to come and kneel down and kneel at an altar and talk to God to be restored again. There have been times when I've walked in and I've looked at Katie and, and, and we don't have a job anymore. And we would restore us back. psalmist said that he would set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, let me tell you this morning, that table that he's setting before your enemies is that dark spot in your life. God will set you in a place where you will be an example to show others that his love is everlasting and never-ending. I said earlier when we started that you could go with the Lord is and you could go forever. And you can. Because whatever that black dot is in your life, and I'm going to tell you something this morning. If you sit there and you look out and you look at me or you look around and see somebody else and you say, I ain't got no black dot. You need to be in the altar first because you're a liar. Everybody, I don't care who you are. Because the Bible says all have fallen and fell short of the glory of God. So there is nobody here today that does not have a black dot. But I'm here to tell you this morning. Black dot can't cover up God's grace. I don't care where you go. I don't care how far you've been. I don't care how deep you try to hide. God's grace will always completely surround you. And church, I'm going to tell you something this morning. If there's somebody that comes because they've got a black dot or they know somebody that's got a black dot, we ought to be just like that page on top of that dot. We ought to cover them over with love and prayer and mercy and understanding and let them know they're not going through it by themselves. The shepherds was out and they would take those sheep. The sheep knew they could go with them because why? Because they knew the shepherd was there. And they'd go anywhere he told them to. Our little seven, soon to be seven-year-old grandson is absolutely terrified of storms. I don't know why. I don't know what caused it. He is just, just terrified. And we were in a, when his little sister was born, we were in a pool, in, in indoor pool at the motel, and and he had one of his panic attacks. Just what ha- what happens? Will these walls fall? Will this? Will the windows blow out? Will this? Whatever it was. But he knew, Grandma and Papa were there. And the more we assured him, we would never let anything hurt him or happen to him. He calmed down. One night before one of his soccer games, it was raining and he was scared to death it was going to blow something in. 
And his daddy took him by the hand. Just like God has taken me by the hand and said, I'll never, ever let anything hurt you because I love you. And he calmed down. I can't tell you the times in the 33 years that I've been with Katie or the 52 years that I've been on this earth at the time he has reached down and took my hand and said, I'll walk with you. This morning as we get ready to give the invitation, if you've got that black spot that you want to get rid of, you're, you're, you've, you've, you've carried it around and you've said, look, I, I, I can't handle this by myself any longer. You don't have to handle it by yourself. God will be there with you every step of the way. You may walk off And you may fall off the path, but God's still there for you.